It's Friday, March 4th, and you're listening to Insight by Spectacles. Today, why are they called oligarchs? Russian oligarchs and American billionaires. Some say there's hardly any difference. Harry explains what's in a name. A lot of people seem to be arguing about what quote-unquote oligarch really means. For context, if you've been living under a rock, one part of the West's retaliation against Russia includes targeted sanctions against so-called oligarchs. These are fabulously wealthy individuals presumed to have some kind of special influence over Vladimir Putin and might pressure him to call off his invasion of Ukraine if their bottom line really starts to hurt. In response, some people have asserted that America's wealthiest occupied the same political position as these oligarchs. Here are two nice examples from Twitter. Luke Savage, a writer at the left-wing Jacobin, says, In America, oligarchs are so-called job creators, and the government both showers them with tax breaks and allows them to buy elections. And Michael Brendan Dougherty, a writer at the right-wing National Review, says, Do we have a good definition that distinguishes their oligarchs from our billionaires? Now, it would be wrong to say that there's nothing to these arguments. It's probably true that we use the term oligarch to refer to Russian moguls because it's pejorative. At the same time, the United States also hosts gross economic inequality and a disproportionately influential wealthy. But there are crucial differences and how the wealthiest citizens in Russia and the U.S. are positioned in the broader political economic order. While equating the two might be useful in political rhetoric, we shouldn't forsake the truth for utility if we really want to understand these situations. To best explain the differences, it makes sense to start with Russia. In the early 1990s, the decommunizing Russian economy was undergoing an attempt at liberalization, with the introduction of private property rights and market competition. The government at the time, headed by President Boris Yeltsin, oversaw the privatization of most formerly state-run enterprises selling them at shockingly low prices to the small handful of individuals who had capital and entrepreneurial experience. Almost overnight, these men became the first cohort of hyper-powerful post-Soviet billionaires and monopolists, the oligarchs. Under Vladimir Putin today, however, the oligarchs occupy a less formidable position— Starting in the 2000s, Putin asserted himself and the office of the Russian presidency, which is synonymous, as the supreme power in the country. While the oligarchs still enjoy significant influence over the Russian economy, and while it's still a practice of the Kremlin to essentially hand down highly lucrative enterprises to its cronies, their power has lessened considerably. The United States, for its part, does have a long and storied history of wealthy elites wielding disproportionate political power. We can see a contemporary example in the influence of the fossil fuel industry, enabled by campaign finance and a massive lobbying industry. There's a powerful argument, which we've made multiple times, that the U.S. economy is both inequitable and anti-competitive. But still, that's not quite the same thing as having the government quite literally hand over entire sectors of production to a few private individuals, or for it to preemptively decide who should enjoy the benefits of a lucrative business opportunity. 
It may be the case that the American state does protect the interests of the wealthy, but it's hardly as tightly linked to its wealthiest citizens as the Russian government is to its so-called oligarchs. Even as our billionaires and their oligarchs may be different, that hardly excuses socioeconomic inequality in the United States. It does, however, suggest that collapsing important distinctions, often for political reasons, makes it more difficult to tell fact from fiction. It may sound pedantic, but in the midst of high-stakes geopolitical tensions, it's crucial that we get this stuff right. That's all for today. If you enjoyed, please subscribe and share this episode. You can also follow us on Twitter or TikTok or subscribe to our email newsletter. Got thoughts? Leave a comment on spectacles.news. If you'd like to hear more conversational podcasts, check out Spectacles in Conversation. Links for everything in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in.